December 4, 2023. It's a Watt for Pedro show. The main thing was trying to trying to just uh, see how things were, you know, see how uh, we have a guy here who's, who plays all together different, you know, you say, well, that's so-and-so, I know him anyway. When you hear something else, say, well, that's so-and-so, but he, yeah, I know him anyway. And then you sit down and maybe you can see where, try to see where they both came from, you know, and you find maybe they came out of the same tree somewhere along the line, and, you know, so when I start looking at Looking at jazz like that too, you know, at, at collectively looking at the whole thing.
Watch for Pedro Show. Happy Monday. Start off John Coltrane. Talk to the August Bloom on, August, on June 15, 1958, about his idea of jazz. Then the Babylon Dance Band with my friend Roger. Because of those Estonian software engineers with their sky invention, I got with me. Tara and Tim from Antietam, welcome aboard. Hey, Mike. Hey, thanks for having us on the show. Okay, right away I got to make uh, respect and credit to Wolf Knapp for the Connect, correct? Yep. Yep. All right. Oh, yeah. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Tara, bring your earliest musical recollection, please. Well, radio has been insanely important to me, and it's like a lot of people my age. It's weird. You know, it's under the covers listening to Sugar Shack by Jimmy Gilmer and the Fireballs. I distinctly remember that. It's so funny to me that so many people my age are listening to the transistor under the radio, you know, under the covers, like it's a furtive maneuver or something. But that seems to be a common thread. In this pad you grew up, was there any musical instruments? Um, there were not musical instruments in my home, except my dad played harmonica, and that was it. Did you jump on that harp? I didn't jump on the harp, but he heard me one night playing my silverware along to the Beverly Hillbillies theme song, and that made him go out and get me a guitar for some reason instead of a drum kit. Well, let me ask you, school. Were you in the choir, the marching band? No, but the first thing I did on a musical instrument in public was I was supposed to play the triangle in the school band on the night that Kennedy was assassinated. And so that never got rescheduled, and we were already at the school, and all the parents and everybody got super bummed out. And so I never got to play that triangle then, but that was it. I was more the, I was more the freak in, in high school who wore a three-piece suit to to school and took my banjo and carried a cane and I made my own music at school sitting outside. What was the first record you bought with your own money, Tara? First record, Summer in the City, Love and Spoonful in Rhinelander, Wisconsin. First time I was away from home and uh, same purchase, same store was also a Davy Crockett coonskin cat. What was the first gig you saw? Um, first gig, uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, 72, the pre-Tarkas tour. And why, uh, why did your pop want to get you a guitar? He thought, he, he thought that I had talent because he heard me play in my silverware, but also I'd been taking some piano lessons at school, and so they knew I was a little tuned into that. Oh, and, so you uh, were doing music at school? Yeah, at about, like, sixth grade or so. I, I took from, I mean, I don't even remember my teacher, but I took piano through school, and I had this recital at the big music store downtown by some, I don't know, national accreditation thing, and it was cool because I was super, I mean, I was like the most shy, most like, kind of hard to pull out of my shell kid you can imagine. But when I did that and played the piano for that recital, it kind of gave me a taste of like, oh, okay, this could be a superpower, you know? Now, there's no piano at home, so you only play when you were at school? Yeah, yeah. Eventually, we got one when I was a little bit older, but not, not from the get-go. You got the guitar first? I got the guitar first, yeah. Actually, okay. I did. Yeah. So now let me learn about how you learned it. Was it on your own, or did you go to a teacher? Did you have lessons? No, I learned it on my own. I just played along to my favorite songs. I had like a Mel Bay book, but I did it totally on my own. I mean, which is why now, you know, if somebody like presses me on a certain you know, progression or, like, certain, like, you know, kind of, like, um, 
you know, real musical, like, setup, you know, I have a hard time kind of dealing with that, because I've been totally taught by myself, like, using sonics and, you know, my own maneuvers, you know, so it's hard for me to sit down and play, like, a blues progression or something. Autodidact. Yeah. Yeah. True. So let me, uh, let me ask you this, not graduating, but after school in the afternoon, did you get into the basement band, bedroom band, garage band thing? I was like writing songs by myself. Like another thing to know is that I got diagnosed with scoliosis when I was in like junior year of high school. So all of a sudden I went from being a pretty like, you know, physically active kid, like, you know, doing sports and stuff to like being in my bedroom in a body cast. And so that's where I really went deep with the guitar and I started recording myself with two um, two cassette for players. For two years. For two years, yeah. yeah. And, like, I recorded myself bouncing tracks on cassette players and did my own tunes. Like, you know, we're talking 15, 16. We're also talking Woman Alone, so it's not really with your buddies. This is you on your own. Just me, yeah. I never played with another person. Well, that's what until... I'm, I'm trying to get at because a lot of people I've had on the show have a phase in their life. It's usually during junior high or high school. And they're playing with their buddies. Usually it's a drummer's uh, parents' pad, right? Because they don't have yeah, to yeah. set up and tear up that shit. So that's why I asked that. Yeah, so it wasn't you're writing me. songs. I, I, Let I me ask you, what was the first, can you remember what was the first song you wrote for yourself? Well, me, yeah, it was the Friends and Lovers Suite. It was on. <laughs> <laughs> it was not just a tune, it was a fucking suite. It was a suite. It was like a. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the cassette. No, like you know, the first published William Shakespeare writes this huge ass poem with no mistakes. <laughs> Rape uh, Lucretia. No, that's the second one. It's uh, Adonis and uh, it's, Venus it's and Adonis. It's weepy shit, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm just putting it out there just for the sake of discussion, uh, because you know, music is a trippy thing. It's to me, it's a pertinent or a lifeline, especially like I got uh, maybe hip the listeners to scoliosis. People, it's a it's a curvature of the spine thing. Yeah, right. And it's genetic, yeah. and it's something that you just got to get through because you're born with it. Like yeah. my fucked up knees. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Being in that yeah. situation, being in that situation taught me like kind of like to embrace being an outsider or being out of the mainstream, and it was pretty important for what was to come. And I got comfortable with that positioning. Yeah, sure, sure. No, what might seem, you know, like a farmer would tell you, if you want a good crop, use a lot of manure. Yep, yep. Okay, yep. so sometimes <laughs> you get dealt a hand, you got to play it the best you can, and getting taught empathy especially at a young age, I think it's kind of a gift, even yeah, though it's a fucking sure. hell and a challenge. So your your first tune was a lover's suite. Friends and lovers. Friend, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Friends and lovers. Yes. There, there, um, there, there's a difference. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and was it a long tune? Uh, it was a four-part tune. I think that I've got the cassette. I think it runs like about, we're going to call it 11 minutes or so. <laughs> Yeah, so it actually was a sweep. And when you say you were uh, using two machines, you're bouncing back and forth so you could overdub and do uh, yep. sound on sound less Paul stuff. Okay. Yeah, Mary I got Ford. super obsessed with that early on. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's great. I mean, musicians recording themselves now is a lot more commonplace than uh, 
more older days. Uh, really interesting. And uh, but but this was just you for you. You you weren't doing this in public yet. No, I wasn't doing it in public. I played it for a few friends, but that was it. No, do you remember your was your first performance, Woman Alone, or was it in a band? Uh, very very first performance. I played banjo in a pickup band at the state PTA convention in '76. But my first real gig was like. Um, Derby days in 1978. I was in the first punk band in Kentucky, and we were in Louisville, and we were you know, at Kentucky. That's Park. that's that's a huge claim because Richard Hell is from Kentucky. I know, but he wasn't making music in Kentucky, <laughs> and so um, you're right. We he had the, to do it in New York City, but exactly. he moved there and actually got there via Delaware. That's where he meets Tom Miller, but. Uh, yeah, he goes there to be a poet, but he ends up inventing punk rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, we were familiar. And, and, with, and you guys, you guys, we're we're talking more Louisville than Richard Hell's Lexington. Lexington, correct? Yeah. yeah. So, but Louisville and Lexington were. I know like from playing both. I know from playing both towns, they are completely different worlds, especially that KU blue. I can't see Richard Hell fitting in with that either. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> what was the club? And yes, you do pick up on the difference between the two towns. Yeah, right? what was the club? Rockledge or something like yeah, that? Rockledge, yeah. It had a yeah. weird fucking name. Yeah, Rockledge or something. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Louisville and Derby, and I played three or four Derby. Yeah, you don't go on until two or three in the morning. Yeah, just completely different everything. Yeah. 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 But we had lots of we had lots of fans in Lexington when we started playing. You know, I was in the, the my first band was called No Fun. We were painters, and no it was fun. A, Did you like Stooges? Um, <laughs> the person that named the band did. Yes, I joined us a little bit after they started jamming together. Yeah, but it was the first time I played with other people. The other guitar player in the band, um, well, one of the other guitar players in the band. Um, Tony Panotti was a painter, and we would go out on painting breaks and jam on our acoustics on Neil Young songs from the Neil Young songbook. So then when they, when Tony and Bruce Witsup made the band, like about four days before I joined it, Tony asked me to come and jam with them because we had been playing together. And I mean, it was it was absolutely cataclysmic to play with other people and to like helix like that and shit. You mean, in four days they had one of their guys already quit? No, no, they just added me. Oh, they just added you, okay. Because we were all painters there, and we we would have sessions. That's when I heard, like, a lot of music at the time, because we would bring in records and share and have all-night painting sessions. Oh, yeah, so yeah. Also, probably, you had buddies passing around mix tapes, right? Cassettes. Um, not yet. Before, oh, no? Before okay. Because really. that was big over the, here, the, 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 the cassette, you know, you turn people on, because a lot of these records weren't out there, so... You know, it was, it was all about people, friends, hip and friends to stuff. There's a guy, Bowling Green. What was his name? God, he um, ended up living in New Orleans. Yeah, and he sang uh, like Richard Hell. Who uh, am I thinking of? He's got like a three-name name. name. Great, Green. great cat. I'll think on that. Bowling Green, and then he Your ends friend? up in New Orleans. No, not my I had the bass player on my on my show. A couple of years ago, yeah, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But Are you talking about government cheese? No, this it's, it was a dude's name. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a three name, and uh, you know, senior moment. Sorry. Look, look, let's play some music. You gave me this uh, stomp. Yeah, stomp. 
could you be so fucking wrong? You never knew a single thing all along. Someone tell you what you think. Why don't you stop yourself before, before you sing? You really feel like it's this way. Well, should be enough for you to say what you gotta say. I can't do this any other way. Say what you gotta say.
Rocco Pedro show. That chunk of music started off with Tatum doing Stomp. Crossing bridges after that. Never left, I see. Wrong coats. Brand new out of Brighton, England. The weather is coming down. Position normal. Last tune on their new album. Dirty Dumplings Done Dirt Cheap. Take the K out of punk rock. You got pun rock, right? <laughs> Post-homo hubis for jazz with side 7X or MSSV. I just did a big tour with them. Say what you got to say. The Bobby Lees with Radiator. Phi Sarum with When the Sun Does Shine. Hundred Flowers, which used to be urinals, right? And then, uh, yeah, they changed their name to get more gigs. It didn't work. Uh. Yeah, they're urinals again. Maybe they're Hundred Flowers again. Maybe they changed it again. Anyway, let's not. And finally, Orange Song from Antietam. So, Tim, your turn, please. Earliest musical recollection? Well, uh, it's probably singing in church, but it all goes back to my father, who was born in Dixon, Tennessee, and grew up in Nashville uh, playing the violin. In 1929, when he was 12, he fiddled on the Saturday Night Barn Dance, which was the predecessor of the Grand Ole Opry. But uh, country music wasn't really his thing. In the 30s, he had a dance band or a dance orchestra that he led on the violin with tuxedos and music stands and all that so our house was uh maybe kind of maybe kind of western swing huh bob wills or milton brown well i i mean probably more like uh tommy dorsey and you know real uh pop music in the 30s uh swing Playing all kinds of dances. Yeah, but there, you know, I just read this Charlie Christian bio, and they're talking about Oklahoma and Texas Panhandle, and yeah, this the, the stigma of the the fiddle or the violin, like right, right, a violin's a fiddle on your arm instead of your fucking chin, right? Yeah. Spotsky yeah, yeah, played right. the viola, and he called it because he played it on his arm. He played the fadola. <laughs> he called it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there was a stigma. We're talking big city people like New York or Chicago. Oh, you're hillbilly if you use that instrument. Uh-huh. And it was just jive because, you know, music is music, especially jazz. People were improvising across the board. And, yeah, they wanted people dancing, too, but it didn't mean the musicians couldn't have fun. So that's your earliest memory is is, is music in the house. Now, there must have been a, a fiddle, a violin, right? He played. Did he let you play Oh, I, well, uh, I started playing the piano in second grade. Ah, so there was a piano? Okay. Yeah. And, and did you I, have to go through the ordeal of the piano lesson? Now, we didn't t- talk about this with Tara, but I've had people on my show almost quit music because of this ordeal. <laughs> and I don't well, really think it's the idea of the lessons. I think it's the t- some cats aren't cut out to be teachers. Yeah. Well, I, I had a good teacher, and, like, we... My parents were very cool. They didn't pressure us to do anything, but my sisters were really good oboe and flute players, but we all started on the piano, and then I took up the cello in fourth grade, and I was in a string quartet in fifth grade. Uh, So you were in uh, the school band? I mean, I was in the orchestra at school through junior high. Well, I I asked that because, you know, a lot of schools actually got rid of 
the music pro, you know, Flea told me he started that Silver Lake Conservatory because he went back to Fairfax High and they got rid of the program where he learned trumpet. Really? Wow. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't bullshit you, Tom. Yeah, these they they it's kind of like what a uh, kind of uh, not a necessity, right? Arts are like, well, but yeah, but the thing I think is, it's ridiculous. So, but that's one reason why I ask that, and also everybody's got a, a trippy path how they got today. So, yeah, but but you know what the thing about education, music, and schools and stuff is, somebody might pick up something and never be in a band or never take it any further. But when you make music with people, you learn how to communicate with people and read people and empathize with people, and that's the important lesson in it. There's one of them. I mean, I think there's several. But yeah. you got to take that up with these individual school boards because they're the motherfuckers who decide this bullshit. Obviously, not all <laughs> schools because Tim was in a quartet at his school. So your first gig in front of people was part of this quartet. Well, yeah, I guess so. I had a great teacher, uh, Louise Harris, who was in the Louisville Orchestra, no relation to me. And then, but I gave, by, by the time I got to high school, I gave up the cello to play basketball and I got cut from the team. I wasn't that good. So, you know, when, when my friends and I were sitting around and we started a punk rock band, I was like, well, I'll play the bass cause I can play four stringed instrument. And then, you know, after that, I was basically self-taught. You mean you're talking about cello being four strings? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's four string, that... but the big difference, right? It's tuned in fifth, so the little more drama between the strings. Yeah. Let me ask you this: first record you bought, Tim, with your own money? Uh, I think it's Paul Revere and the Raiders' Greatest Hits. And what about uh, first gig you saw? Um, well, th you'll laugh at this, but it was a pretty great gig in junior high school. I went to see Chicago right after they dropped the name Chicago Transit Authority. So it was an early band with Terry Kath as sort of a badass guitar player and uh, introducing. It was, it was really good, you know, before they got cheesier. Yeah, man, he was 14, he was telling me. I was not allowed to go to a concert at 14. That's pretty good. I was 14 when I saw my first gig. Me and Dee Boone saw T-Rex. Oh, damn. Oh, yeah. And Tara and I went to a lot of the same concerts before we knew each other, including uh, Bowie, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, Jethro Tull, a bunch of stuff like that. Okay, now this band uh, that you're asked to join, uh, you had you had to get a bass, right? You didn't have one. So how'd that happen? Yeah, I... We kind of bought all of our instruments at the Guitar Emporium, but Jimmy Brown ran in Louisville really Yeah, I, I was on Bardstown Road. I remember that. Yes, and he was a big teacher because he let me work in the store to get my first guitar and amp, and he taught me how to maintain my gear and stuff. I think he had a big painting of Eddie Cochran on the side. Mm -hmm. yep, yeah, yep, yep. And, and he sold guitars to everybody, you know. In, in rock and uh my first i played a gibson short scale at first and in our early days of the babylon dance band i played with this big pick and just dug a big hole in the thing and i mean we used to all bleed at our early gigs for um, a good while <laughs> mike did you ever use new skin on your fingers if you started bleeding during a gig <laughs> no not with bass but ed from ohio used it look we're at the end of the first hour december 4 2023 edition wapito show special guest todd tim 
Tatum, we'll tie for hour two. December 4, 2023, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pete Rose Show.
Pedro Show start off the second hour. Tara Key doing Long Trail. Then we had Oakland Afternoon Ensemble with Elegy Number 1. And uh, Morbid Beauty after that with I Watch Humanity Disappear. Infinite River with Summer Session Number 4. Anti-Industry with Spelling. Paul Watson, The Slow Blood. And then Antietam with Hands Down. Okay, so, Tim, I heard you mention Babylon Dance Band, which was the first tune I played by you guys on the show. So this is before Antietam, right? This is before you know Tara, maybe. 
Well, that's right. I mean, we started right after Tara's band, uh, No Fun, and she joined our band. The guys in No Fun moved to New York, started the band Circle X, and she joined the Babylon Dance Band. So she was in it after the first few gigs. And uh, we played in Louisville for approximately five years, like, 78 to 83 before we moved to New York and started Antietam with Wolf and uh, Mike, who were also from Louisville. But uh, the dance band was in that first generation of Louisville bands, and it was a pretty amazing time. Like, we couldn't really get gigs in uh, bars or clubs at the time, so... You know, our first gig was in a barn. Uh, second one was an art gallery. We played things like the women's prison, a teenage pregnancy school, which was one of the greatest gigs ever. We played a punk rock set at like 10 in the morning for all pregnant girls. Uh, Girl went into labor. <laughs> we played a German beer hall where Wolf saw us for the first time. Uh, the St. Matthew's Potato Festival, and uh, it was, you know, it was pretty great. Like you were saying, Louisville was a place where there was a lot of originality, a lot of really good bands uh, popped up. We started writing originals really quickly, but we also mined um, the 60s to do punk rock versions of a bunch of really good covers like we did shake uh quick joey small talk talk uh two plus two equals question mark by bob seeger uh sos <laughs> can't control myself by the trogs a uh, little bit of soul it's all right uh, the only the only one we did that was really kind of in our genre was we did real cool time by the stooges but uh mostly we kind of transformed more uh, bubblegum and soul songs into our punk rock style. Yeah, so uh, you're, you're not talking about a team, you're talking about Babylon Dance Band. Yeah, BDB, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you were asked to join this band. Yeah, I was. I was like, well, I that's didn't you, Tara, like... but I mean, Tim, too? Oh, I was yeah. a founding member with... You're uh, a founding member, but... Of the, the, you had to learn bass for it, okay. That's right. Uh, Mark Zockham knew how to play guitar. Chip just started singing, and I played the bass, and then we had a succession of drummers, and then Tara joined, and we had two guitar players. When it came to writing your own songs for Babylon Dance Band, how'd that go? Um, you know, it went uh, different ways. At first, um, Mark or I would come up either with a bass riff or something on guitar. After about a year in that band, Mark left, and Tara became the only guitar player. And um, so then we really wrote by, we would jam, sometimes to my bass riffs, sometimes to something she did. And uh, like that song, My Friend Roger, that you played was written off by bass riff. And... Uh, but things, you know, came together pretty organically. And we just, we'd, we'd play, you know, it was so great in those days because we would play every day. And uh, 
And then and, and then play every day. We would play every day, and then we would in rehearsal. And a lot of times, go and shoot shoot hoops after rehearsal every day. You know. But practice wasn't just practice; it was also writing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was the beginning of something in Louisville that was really special. Uh, we were in that first generation, but then you know, through the from then until the early nineties, you had like the end tables, Wolf's Band, Your Food, the Dick Brains, Malignant Growth, Squirrel Bait, Slint, uh, Rodan, and you know Will Oldham, Tara Jane O'Neill, King Horse. Brett Ralph, like just a, a bunch of really great music. Okay, we're going to get to Antietam. Let's play some more.
from Pedro Shonachunk, music star of the Antietam doing Stowaway. Then more. It's more with three R's, people. No fucking E. These wide eyes. Noisuka. Every day, parentheses, parking meter. Ray Shin out of Reno with It's In Your Head. Finally, Antietam, one, two, one. So the story Antietam, I heard you mention, Tim, the band kind of got started when you left. I know we've been talking a lot about by Louisville, but you leave there for New York City. Yeah, uh, we, in the dance band, we had gotten, uh, a guy had written an article about the Louisville punk scene, and we gotten gigs in New York City and had been driving up there for a few years. And, you know, we've been playing Nashville, Cincinnati, Lexington a lot, and um, some touring. And so when the band sort of fell apart, Tara and I moved up to Hoboken, and, and then Mike and Wolf joined us and we formed Antietam in 1984 and our first gig was at CBGB's uh we played with a human switchboard who had a uh, Bernie Worrell sitting in at that time which was super cool and uh you know we met you shortly after that and uh one of the things I wanted to mention that was so amazing was D said to me and Tara outside Maxwell said you're not very good southerners naming your band after the northern name for the battle <laughs> and we were just like stunned and uh, so impressed by that because we were big into history Sharpsburg. and reading and stuff yeah, and I, name you know we, we, we had visited that that battlefield that tour just, oh wow yeah, it was just a fucking coincidence yeah you know because of touring and shit Oh, really? We would That's have to incredible. stop at every revolutionary and civil war battlefield that was on the route. D. Boone wow. always, what? and I was into it, you know, because but D. Boone loved history. Yeah, and if, well, and I should tell the listeners, the convention kind of is the North named the battlefields after uh, kind of the river. Yeah, and yeah. the South well, names it after yeah. the town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well. Uh, you know, on the one hand, it's like a terrible band name because we've been misspelled. We've been printed many times as anti-M, um, but also anti-dam. You know, nobody ever knows how to spell it, to say it, or what it is, which is really the sort of moral reckoning for America. It's the battle in the Civil War that was so bad that they... Yeah, it's the worst afternoon. The most people killed yeah, in an afternoon. And, and, you know, and after in fact, Mr. Lincoln does the Emancipation Proclamation right exactly. after it. That, it was like, okay, this is about slavery. You know, people were trying to pretend in the first year of the war that it could just be... Oh, shit, they're still something. trying to pretend that some fucking state <laughs> yeah, rights... Yeah. And you know people, what? There's a guy named... He's got a great name, Bone Kemper, you know, and he wrote this book. He went and, and analyzed the fucking, you know, documents the CSA had. And it was all this kind of power in the federal government. It wasn't about state rights, but fucking uh, liars. You know? Yeah, yeah. But exactly. but I'm glad you see. And, and so I think D, D. Boom was drawn to you because maybe kindred spirits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. we... Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of interest sort of in reading and history and everything, you know, pretty, 
I, it was pretty interesting in in Louisville. Our uh, punk Roxine Chip, who was really really smart and a great writer, once uh, said he was in a room with all these punk rockers, and he was the only one who had not read the Charterhouse of Parma by Stendhal. <laughs> <laughs> no, th- th- that was the, the idea. Same thing. Uh, our scene here in Hollywood, you know, oh, a bunch of idiots. But no, just kind of awkward people. If you talk to them, they were deep. Yeah, we're, yeah, at, we're at the yeah. end of the second hour. They just couldn't fit in with Square Johns. You know? uh, yeah. December 4, 2023 edition. Wap Pedro Show with Tim and Tara and Tatum. Hold on. Tight for hour three. December 4, 2023. It's the third hour. Wap Pedro Show. Jesus.
And I prayed to my one with my eyes closed. Behold, behold, behold. Saturn risen in my room. Saturn incarnate. Human, but not quite. Never could be fully a chimera, the flesh. My shoes are ripped to shreds. My sweet little loop, always chewing my shoe. Let me be clear here. I am nobody. I am nobody. I am nobody. Not compared to you. Not compared to you.
Watch for Pedro Show during the third hour. And Tatum doing Needle It in the Eye. Then we had Brendan Eder Ensemble, Overgrown Garden, Platy Pop with Putty Karma. P U D D Y. Putty? Putty? I don't know the fuck. Pengo with Doorway to the Sky. I think it was a name of a video game, right? Pengo. And then finally, Antietam. Clarion. Clarion Call of Antietam. Now, Antietam always had two bass players. Was that your call, Tim? Well, it started that way with with me and Wolf, and it was really just because we both played bass. I mean, it wasn't really an idea, like maybe in Dose or Delta Five, you know, and like a lot of the time one of us played a second guitar, but um, we had this one song like Extra Dry where one of us played a signature in six and one of us played something in eight, and then like every 24 it lined up, and you know, it was just, it was pretty wild music. Like we had no preconceptions about it. And, uh, you know, two bass goes before dose. I mean, Duke Ellington did it. And John Coltrane did it live in Seattle. There's a Donald oh, Garrett. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool. But then, you know, we did two albums and we just re-released those two albums, remastered them and put them out on Bandcamp. And, um, so you mean you just wanted a four-piece? And, and like, sometimes there'd be two basses, but sometimes it'd be actually two guitars, a bass and a drum. I mean, it was just more that we made the band because we, you know, we wanted to make, the four of us wanted to make music together. I mean, Mike and I forget whether Wolf told you about them leaving Louisville under duress because they destroyed our punk house during a Super Bowl Sunday, uh, you know, <clears throat> uproar. And so they were literally fleeing town because the landlord was after them, and they went up to Vermont, and then we kept in touch. And it's just more that the formers wanted to jam together. Okay, how are we going to do this? Well, you both play bass, you know. So it was more about, you know, getting together and making something that we thought the four of us could make than any other concept about it. And then one of them would default to guitar sometimes. Um, and, and then uh, after our first two albums, Wolf uh, went to jazz school and, you know, he had... He ends up on like six-string bass, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And after that, uh, we became a three-piece. And Josh, uh, our drummer, joined us in 1990 when he was underage. And he's been with us ever since. So uh, it's been the three of us for the... So it was only the two-bass thing for as far as... Wolf was in, that was only the first two records. Yeah, That's that right. was it. Okay, I want to play here uh, Bird Watching.
watch out now Take care, beware of falling swingers Dropping all around you The pain that often mingles In your fingertips Inside your hand, the hopelessness around you in the dead of night. Beware of sadness, it can hit you. It can hurt you Make you sore And what is more That is not what you are here for Watch out now Take care, beware of soft Shoe shuffler Dancing down the sidewalks As each unconscious sufferer Wanders aimlessly show last music for this dish and started that chunk off with Antietam doing bird watch. Then the 1164s with big time television. Damon Smith, Pandelis, Karyogis, Mr. Cook, Moon X with She Light, where the fireworks are from Julie Christensen. And finally, this is Antietam with Will Oldham and Todd Brasher doing Beware Darkness. 
So, for a while, Antietam was on hold? Well, it's, it's funny. That was the perception just because we didn't release an album. And we were, like, really busy during that time. I mean, but, part of it... Well, okay. out before that, okay. right after Wolf left, for the first half of the 90s, we did, like, uh, three records on Triple X in L.A. We did another one for Homestead. We did Terrace, two solo records. We did a Babylon Dance Band reunion record. So we put out all these records, and then between like 95 and 2004 we didn't put out another Antietam record right but we did we did a lot of things we recorded and produced a Tara Key Rick Rizzo instrumental record in 2000 Tara played on a bunch of stuff like 11th Dream Day Drag City All-Stars we did singles compilations We, we honestly we recorded one record that we never released because uh, we didn't finish it. and um, But then, so some people thought we kind of reemerged in 2004, but we've done six records since then. I so. mean, part of it, too, was during that time. I mean, we just started, I, I mean, in particular, I got really interested in jamming with other people and kind of broadening that, you know, opening that up, because I really, before that time, it was kind of like being in a platoon for me. It's just like my band is my platoon, <laughs> you know, we're moving through life as a unit. And so then I kind of started opening myself up with the solo records of jamming with like my amazing friends who are all players and then meeting other people that weren't my friends that became my friends. And we were all doing a little bit of that kind of, Tim was playing with a band called the Special Pillow here in town. The cello, Josh actually. went on a tour with Codeine. We, you know, we played with Sid Straw for a little while. So it was really a cool time out, in a sense, for the band, and that we were all kind of growing. And then when we made the next record in 2004, Victory Park for Carrot Top, um, you know, we were like kind of coming to a reset point, really enriched. And I, and, and you know, and since then collaborating with other people and being open to that has been really important to us. Yeah, now 2004 is still 19 years ago. That's true. So we did. Yeah. <laughs> we did. So it ain't like a little bit, right? It's so crazy. Well, in 2008, we did a triple vinyl uh, record. And, you know, another one in 2011. Uh, then, what, 2017 or... Yeah, we started putting out our own records with um uh, uh with IOI in 2017, and we've done so since then. So a record comes out when you want it. There's no uh no yeah. I mean, it seems to this point have been on about a four or five year cycle. I'm kind of wanting to change that now and be a little bit more um you know a little bit more in the moment. And so, for example, we're gonna be putting out an EP like in the early spring and then that I kind of intend that to be maybe part of a series of EPs just like little blurts and bulletins instead of you know holding up for this like monolithic thing that happens twice a decade and usually with that kind of cycle monolithic thing there comes a tour with it and a lot of these releases didn't have tours that went with right right well what about the future you guys plan on taking this to live situations I mean, we did uh, tours like in 2004, we toured the country with Yola Tango and and on a tour on our own. We did a, some gigs by our 2008 and 2011 records. But I don't know. I mean, we would, we would love to. Uh, Josh, you know, our 
drummer had the music store in New York, Other Music, for 21 years, and then uh, that went out of business in 2016. And uh, I'll put it to you this way, we would love to do it, and I intend to try. We, yeah, like, <laughs> let's talk about this EP. That's the next Antietam release, right, coming in the spring? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm working on just finishing it up right now. Okay. Um, and how do you think this is different? Than like when um, Wolf was in the band or the 2004 Pivot Point or what is 2023 Antietam like looking backwards? It's, well, it's probably looking it, forward, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We yeah. kind of got a new sound on this record. Right. Tell me about it. Well, for one thing, I think there's of the four songs, one's more of a classic, you know, growling guitar Antietam song. The other three, in some cases, I'm plugging straight into an amp or I'm playing acoustic guitar and those are the tracks and there's no solos. I mean, and, um, you know, we have some friends, horn player, vibe player on, on, on one of the tracks. So, you know, in a way, it's Antietam of late in that we are collaborating with people and there's a lot of sounds there. And I'm like working really hard to make crafted records, which is, you know, love to do that in the mix and everything. Um, but my my guitar playing right now is interesting. I'd say that I'm on this on this EP, I'm putting down kind of like curtains of sound rather than fists of sound if that makes any sense no it makes a lot of sense and you know what i'm going to invite you right now when that ep comes out in the spring come back on the show we can play and talk about and you probably got some songs that you know especially a triple album (laughs) you can give me some (laughs) other songs to flesh out because there's a lot of antietam to explore and i'd love to have you back on you into that tim and tara yeah. Okay, that's great. That's I, I got, great. I, I love I, it. That, you know, for some people, music's one little point in their life. Other people, it's a lifelong endeavor. And what you guys are doing is very inspiring for me. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. And hey, Mike, I want to tell you, I read uh, Dante's Inferno on the beach in Italy this summer. Okay, just Inferno, no uh, Purgatorio. Just the Inferno. Okay. Had all the local characters right nearby. You know, he said something about, you know, I didn't put the hell part to scare people. The heaven part was supposed to make it more attractive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Other people think, you know, if you read the fucking uh, Nick Tosh's book, it's a big revenge get back thing. Okay. But anyway, I'm glad you did. Which beach was? Uh, we were at Sperlonga on Sperlonga. The, near Rome. Okay, by Roma. Okay, great. Anyway, I can't wait to have you back on the show again, okay? Thank okay, you so much. Deal. Beautiful. People, Thanks, it's been man. December 4, 2023. This is Wapito. So keep your... Oh, you're right.